Here's your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. My name is Michael Saba, 34 years old. I was born in Springfield, raised in Detroit. Growing up, I had a pretty good family. Family was churchgoers. They went to church every Sunday. God was just somebody I went and visited on Sunday. I really didn't know him personally. When I was 16, my father passed away from leukemia. And after he passed away, my life kind of took a turn for the worse. I started experimenting with drugs. I dropped out of school, and um, that's when my addiction pretty much took control of my life. I started doing heroin at the age of 18, and when I started doing heroin, things just uh, got worse and worse for me. Um, found myself in prison three times from the age of 18 to 32. I've been in prison three times, uh, jails, rehabs, a lot of self-inflicted pain, a lot of self-inflicted misery, broken relationships. Tried everything under the sun to try and get my life together and try and stay sober, but NA programs, uh, psychotropic pills, all that, nothing worked. By the time I got to prison, when I was 32, this final trip is when I really turned my life over to Christ. I was broken. I had nothing left. I felt like I was just a dead man walking. And two years ago, when I was sitting in CRC in prison, I asked Christ to come into my life, and I totally surrendered to Him. And ever since then, my life has been great. This has been the best two years of my life I've been. I got new desires in my heart. I just see things differently. He's really changed my life. And I heard about the refuge in prison through Pastor Brian McKinley at Southeastern Correctional Institution. And when I heard about it, I knew that God had brought me to that prison for a reason. And here I am today, being at the refuge, I've, I know that God has something for me here. I know that He's going to reveal His purpose and His plan for my life. And the brotherhood here is... And the fellowship here is something that I've been desiring, and I know that I can get it here at the refuge along with more of God's revelation. Things have just been going so good in my life, and I've been reconciled with my children, and, and this is only the beginning. So if I could say one thing to anyone out there, it would be just to submit yourself to God and let Him work in your life. And now on to the New Testament. Today's reading will take place from the book of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 26. John 17. Now in this, his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed for himself, his disciples, and all of his church. The prayer reveals our Lord's spiritual priorities, glorifying the Father, the unity of the church, the sanctity of the church, and the winning of the lost world. Are these priorities in your life? Well, it also reveals the gifts He has given His people, that is, eternal life, the Word, and His glory. But note that uh, believers are the Father's gift to Him, just as Jesus is the Father's love gift to us. I mean, it's all about grace. The word world appears 19 times in this prayer. But this prayer tells us how to overcome the world. We must seek God's glory first. Experience His joy. Be sanctified by the Word. Seek to win the lost. And encourage the unity of God's people. And with that, let's begin reading today in the New Testament. May 28th, the New Testament. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 26. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so He can give glory back to you. 
for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me, because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Today we're reading Psalm 119, verses 81 through 96. The Word of God will help you get victory over your enemies, as we shall see as we read in the book of Psalm today. When your eyes are failing and your soul is fainting, the Word will give you strength and comfort. When it looks like the end has come, God's Word helps you make a new beginning. Your worst enemy is on the inside, so let the Word work in your heart. Now, if you trust God's Word, 
You'll have a solid foundation in a world that offers you no stability. The Word of God is settled. Nothing can change it or destroy it. God is faithful, and His Word can be trusted. The same Word that created the world and runs the world will also govern your life and make it secure. Psalm 119, verses 81 through 96. Kaph, I am worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? I am shriveled like a wineskin in the smoke, but I have not forgotten to obey your decrees. How long must I wait? When will you punish those who persecute me? These arrogant people who hate your instructions have dug deep pits to trap me. All your commands are trustworthy. Protect me from those who hunt me down without cause. They almost finished me off, but I refused to abandon your commandments. In your unfailing love, spare my life. Then I can continue to obey your laws. Lamed, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Your regulations remain true to this day, for everything serves your plans. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. I am yours, rescue me, for I have worked hard at obeying your commandments. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. Proverbs 16, verses 6 and 7. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Trusting other people, something I don't really love to do I've never been a fan of it, I act tougher Really my shoulders, they ain't built for this And I don't have nothing It's like I'm standing in the rain And you offer me a raincoat But I would rather stand there and get wet Than take the hand out, what's wrong with me? You said you've always got your hands out And I cannot continue on my own So take my hands now I give you everything, God, not just a little bit Take it from me I am nothing but a hypocrite I hate sin, but I built a house And I still live in it, afraid to Open up the door to you, let you into it My soul is lost and what it needs is your direction I know I've told you I do not need your protection But I lied to you, this thing is tiring And man was not created for it God, please retire me now Oh, these hands are tired I'll keep on, I'll keep on, I'll keep on 
Trust is something I am not accustomed to And I know the Bible says that I should always trust in you But I will never read that book enough And when I have a question I don't take the time to look it up or pick it up It collects dust on my nightstand I'm just being honest, please take this out of my hands I have no control, I am just a person But thank the Lord that I serve a God that's perfect I do not deserve the opportunity you've given me I never knew what freedom was until I learned what prison means I am not ashamed, I don't care if they remember me My life will always have a hold if you are not the centerpiece Take me out of bondage, take all of my pride If I don't have a savior, I don't have nothing inside Take all of my lust, take all of my lies There's no better feeling than when I look in the sky In your eyes, it's amazing Oh, these hands are tied Taught 
Today's In Touch Devotion. Today's scripture reading is verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Not only is anxiety uncomfortable, it also leads to negative consequences. For example, reasoning becomes cloudy when permeated with worry so an anxious person will have trouble making wise decisions. Fear of failure may also lead to procrastination or lack of productivity. Apprehension can devastate a believer's personal and spiritual growth, relationships, and work. So conquering fear is important. These four steps can help. 1. Identify the fear. Ask yourself, what are the circumstances surrounding my feelings? What triggered them? What message am I telling myself? 2. Turn to the Lord. Remember that God loves you and desires a close relationship with you. He is in sovereign control of your situation, so bring your apprehension to Him. 3. Rebuke the fear. You have authority and power in Jesus' name to reject what isn't from Him. 
Meditate on scripture passages such as Matthew 10.31 and Proverbs 1.33. Let God's truth replace any wrong thinking. And four, cling to your heavenly Father. Take your focus off your circumstances and look to the one who promises his help. The Bible gives us this assurance. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Circumstances are external and often beyond our control. But you and I are responsible for our response. It's amazing how fears diminish in the Heavenly Father's presence.
The Lored Business Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. This next principle is the management principle of saving, based upon Proverbs 21, verse 20. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Good Ooh, one. We are Americans. We <laughs> spend. We are consumers. Uh, yeah, that that is uh, really interesting. What saving really means, you know. Again, you can be too tight or you can be too loose. You know, it's a balance. But uh, but if we are we, if we are branded as spenders without control, we will always hit into major problems mm-hmm. because we got to le- learn to budget. And uh, even though we're consumers, but we also have to produ- be producers and develop equity. Well, let's join our principal here. Years ago, it was foolish to be known as a spender. A penny saved was a penny earned. People bought when they had money. They saved for what they wanted and made sure they had some left for their children. A person's character was judged by their ability to save and protect a set of values, whether it was money, products, or morals. People understood the wisdom of saying, we want to save for the future. That's right. Yeah, that that is really critical. That That was an... Uh, some of the younger generation don't remember this that generation, but the generation where I came from, man, a penny earned was you know mm-hmm. penny saved was mm-hmm. a penny earned, and you had a value. You have never lost the value of a dollar, and if you were branded as a as your character was based upon your ability to make money and save money, not the ability to make money, but it was how much you could mm-hmm. save out of what you made and and stored some, and, and which it also includes values. That was critical. You were branded as it. A hard worker went with it, and uh, I grew up under that, and I, it never left me. I, I, I've earned my way through business. The principle of saving develops an attitude of value. Our thoughts will be on preserving things, making things last longer, keeping things repaired, and getting more mileage out of the things we already have. It will stop waste through haste and make us think of quality and product value to the extent that it will change our thinking from what can I get 
to thank God for what I have. Uh, I've seen that in your life, John, that you really try to get longevity out of a purchase, that uh, you, you, you're not really a consumer. You're, you try to extend the value. We are all consumers, but it's, it's a measured consumer. It's, it's budgeted consuming. In other words, uh, if, if times are tough, I can live with less. If times are good, I can increase it. But I would, I would never try to spend more than I consume. I would always have to have built equity in everything that I do. And that's the key, because if we don't, then we'll lose that attitude. The attitude is, uh, uh, we'll be preserving things, making things last longer. Uh, keeping things repaired for that purpose and getting more mileage out of everything that, that we do. That is an attitude or that is something that sticks within a person that really has what you call a saving attitude. Mm-hmm. That it's not, it's not wasteful. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I go to the refrigerator, the first things I look for is leftovers. From that the, amazes me. I mean, yeah. That's the first thing I'll, you can tell my wife. I will always look for that first. I mean, to me, you don't make anything new as long as I'll eat what's left over from the meal before. I lo- in fact, I, I've learned to really l- like leftovers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong to think of what we would like to have if it is controlled with a set of values. We'll save ourselves a lot of frustration if we stop and ask ourselves these four questions before we spend. Number one, do I need it? That's critical. And most generally, uh, saying like a lot of times people will see something that they like and they say, the first thought is that if they like it, they should be allowed to have it. Saying like, mm-hmm. the question should always be, do I need it? I look at saying, do I need it? That, that, that's the first question. Is it something that I need? That is number one. We should always ask ourselves the question, do I need it? Or is it just something that I have, just because I like it, I'm just going to buy it. Mm-hmm. If we are that way in products, we will be that way all through our lives. That's why marriages fall apart. Because do I need it? You know, that because people look at that and the marriages fall apart. A lot of other things fall apart because of that attitude. Then once we buy it, the second question is this, can I afford it? Yeah, in other words, before you buy it, you say, can I afford it? Is it affordable for me? What is my budget? Or do I have a budget? Or don't I have a budget? So as soon as you ask yourself, can I afford it, you will deal with your budget. Where is it going to come from? You know, that's a critical question to ask. The third is this, why do I want it? That's right, because sometimes we are just flesh-motivated, we are egotistical, we, we want to buy something. To Sometimes it has no use for us at all. It just tries to build our image, or, or you know, sometimes it's crazy. If you just ask yourself, why do I want it? You will discover something about yourself that you may not even know, because you'll discover as to why you do things, and then you'll find how you're controlled. That's critical. The next one is, when should I have it? That's right. That's another question saying, like, if it is something that we'd like and if, if we can rationalize all the others, then we should still ask ourselves, when should I have it? Should I have it when I have the money or should I have it uh, now? Should I just buy it and then put myself under pressure on other things? Mm-hmm. What What should I do? So it doesn't mean that you can't have it. Most things that you want can be had if you do it right. But if you just are responsive and not disciplined, and ask these questions and deal with it, then you'll get out of balance, and then that'll put you in a jam and destroy you. We have developed a throwaway, self-serving society, and we are programmed to think, if I want it, I'll get it. I deserve it now. I'll charge it and make those easy monthly payments. (laughs) So we spend, spend, and spend trying to satisfy ourselves and keep up with everyone else. We foolishly spend not only what we have, but what we don't have as well. 
that's why people get themselves in trouble. I mean, it's just because people just want, 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 want things. And you know our society is, is that way. Advertising and everything is want, 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 want. You should have it. Create your image. Do, do something, you know. They make everything appealing, saying like soon as something is, you know, they don't have any basis anymore. It's the new this, the new this, the new this. This is a style. This is a, and you need it in order to stay in touch. And some of that is okay because that that means that progress comes. I mean, I'm not I'm not totally against that, but but sometimes people go wild. The people that do not manage themselves always wind up at the bottom, and then they then they scream and blame somebody else for their problems. But they can't handle it. They can't. They're, they're not used to budgeting. They're not used to bringing control and discipline to themselves, and that's needed. We have made it easy to borrow money or get credit. We are bombarded with pre-approved credit cards and credit offers of six months without interest or no payment for one year and many others. But they don't tell us about the 18 to 22 percent interest after the original offer. People are binding us into payment plans that are almost impossible for us to get out of for years to come. This causes hardships that will destroy marriages and our health. John, I, I remember when 8% was considered usury oh, yeah. in the United States. And now, if you get into an 18 to 22% trap, business-wise, you can't get out of that. If, if, you, if you take a credit card uh, program that people offer and you just follow their program, you will never get out of debt. Never will. You can't. You just, because they want you to spend more. They give you a maximum. They want to keep that up because they want to get their their interest money. And so they say the minimum payment that you can make is this amount. If you just follow that, you will never get out of it. You will. You will. If you just follow that, unless you discipline yourself very strongly and not buy, even if you don't buy, it'll take you 10 to 15 years to, to catch up with that because it's just that's the way it works. Because they want you to keep the card, they want you to spend more, and so it's available. And so when you see things, they expect you emotionally to buy with your credit card because you have credit available yet. So it's a system, and and I use it. Some people say, well, we should throw them all away and it's wrong to have them. No, it's not. It's not wrong. It's a nice system. I love it. It's good. Mm -hmm. I I use it all the time. I hardly deal with cash. So I love it, but you have to be a disciplined person. You've got to know where you're at. You've got to know where your budget is. You've got to, you know... Look in the mirror and talk to yourself and say, like, who am I? How, how am I going to handle this? Mm-hmm. Those who are wise save and build for the future. They plan and spend wisely. They don't just have a savings account. They invest in property, buildings, and personal business ventures. They believe in God and themselves. They also invest in other ventures because they believe in others and are willing to take risks with them. They're not just consumers, but investors and savers. John, that's always amazed me about you. You really have never believed in a savings account, even though this is the principle of savings. You're not savings-oriented. No, savings to me is building equity. That's the same as saving. So if I if I take money that I have that's available and I put it into an investment program, saying like I buy a property or I buy a rental or I buy, buy some deal, the equity that I, the money that I had, I use that equity to buy it, you know, and then I borrow money on top of that. So that's same as saving because that equity then grows as you make your payments and stuff like that. So I'm not against the credit system, uh, but the thing is, is an actual savings account where you draw saying like anywhere from three to five percent money. I've never had any. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I I've never had. I've had short term little extra cash and stuff like that. I had that I used just then like putting in CDs or something like that to get quick return on it, just until I get an investment program. But 
I am not a person that with a lot of cash laying around. I, I don't believe it. I believe it should be an investment. When things get tough, savers like that will survive. They're at peace with themselves, their credit cards, and with the bank. Our country should have practiced this principle of saving and spending wisely, and we would not be plagued with debt. God has a right way and a wrong way. The right way will bring peace to our families, take away our pressure and frustration, and give us good lives, not only for us, but our children and grandchildren. And they will thank us for being examples. You've seen that, too, that uh, you're training actually your grandchildren now in business. See, the uh, the uh, the old-fashioned people, what people call old-fashioned from the old school, they always took care of their children. Nowadays, people say, I'll give my kids education and then throw them out. And they're on their mm-hmm. own, mm-hmm. which is not altogether bad because that's, I mean, you, you need to give them a start and stuff like that. But I'm just different. I, I believe that, that I'm responsible for training my kids how to do business and how to budget it and how to do things and work with them. And I work with them until they've learned something and then that becomes their education. They'll get other case education on top of that. But, but I'm talking about, I think that a, as a parent, we are supposed to duplicate ourselves mm-hmm. and implant that seed into the kids. And then also we should build a savings account for the kids, not just a savings account, but we should build an inheritance for our kids. Rather than spending our inheritance, we should build an inheritance to pass on to the kids. Sooner or later, we will have to learn God's rules. If we don't choose to do it now, we will shortly be forced to. Let's not be foolish, but wise, and learn how to save for the future. Save for the future. That means that you have to have, have, to have a plan for the future. you got to work for the future. You don't work for the past. You work for the future. You're forward-focused. And then you save to invest in the future. That's what makes the world work. The Management Principle of Saving, Proverbs 21, verse 20. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Give us a recap, John. Uh, someone said one time, behind every successful man, there is a woman who saves for the children. And uh, that in itself is a very uh, important principle for this reason. It's because if you have two people that are spenders, uh, you have no budget. And it, uh, Or if you have two people that are just savers, uh, you also have a problem because no, nothing goes. Because it's a balance in a family, in a home. But... Uh, uh, one point that I think is important that I don't think that we should count on our savings account for our security. Sometimes, sometimes people save and say like, well, I'm just saving it for a rainy day. And if that's your attitude in saving, you will have your rainy day, you know. So, uh, I, I, I'm just not really a believer in that. I, I'm, I'm a believer in investing and keeping things tight, keeping things pushed. And so that so that you constantly have to become aware of meeting your budget. So whatever you do, don't have loose cash laying around. Because when you have loose cash laying around, then you don't become a saver. You become a spender. So always put yourself under a little pressure, making sure you have enough to, to operate, but at the same time that it's not too loose and available. That does it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.